Section 66 of Mark Twain, A Biography, Volume 2. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, A Biography, by Albert Bigelow Payne. Chapter 170, The Prince and the Pauper on the Stage. There was an unusual dramatic interest in the Clemens home that autumn. Abby Sage Richardson had dramatized The Prince and the Pauper, and Daniel Froman had secured Elsie Leslie, Lied, to take the double role of the Prince and Tom Canty. The rehearsals were going on, and the Clemens children were naturally a good deal excited over the outcome. Susie Clemens was inspired to write a play of her own, a pretty Greek fancy called The Triumph of Music, and when it was given on Thanksgiving night by herself, with Clara and Jean and Margaret Warner, it was really a lovely performance and carried one back to the days when emotions were personified and nymphs haunted the seclusions of arcady clemens was proud of susie's achievement and deeply moved by it he insisted on having the play repeated and it was given again later in the year pretty elsie leslie became a favorite of the clemens household she was very young and when she visited hartford jean and she were companions and romped together in the hayloft she was also a favorite of William Gillette. One day, when Clemens and Gillette were together, they decided to give the little girl a surprise, a unique one. They agreed to embroider a pair of slippers for her, to do the work themselves. Writing to her of it, Mark Twain said, "'Either one of us could have thought of a single slipper, but it took both of us to think of two slippers, in fact, one of us did think of one slipper, and then, quick as a flash, the other of the other one. It shows how wonderful the human mind is. Gillette embroidered his slipper with astonishing facility and splendor, but I have been a long time pulling through with mine. You see, it was my very first attempt at art, and I couldn't rightly get the hang of it along at first, and then I was so busy that I couldn't get a chance to work at it at home, and they wouldn't let me embroider on the cars. They said it made the other passengers afraid. They didn't like the light that flared into my eye when I had an inspiration, and even the most fair-minded people doubted me when I explained what it was I was making, especially brakemen. Brakemen always swore at it and carried on the way ignorant people do about art. They wouldn't take my word that it was a slipper they said they believed it was a snowshoe that had some kind of disease. He went on to explain and elucidate the pattern of the slipper and how Dr. Root had come in and insisted on taking a hand in it, and how beautiful it was to see him sit there and tell Mrs. Clemens what had been happening while they were away during the summer. Holding the slipper up toward the end of his nose, imagining the canvas was a subject with a scalp wound, working with a lovely surgical stitch, 
never hesitating a moment in his talk except to say ouch when he struck himself with a needle take the slippers and wear them next to your heart elsie dear for every stitch in them is a testimony of the affection which two of your loyalest friends bear you every single stitch cost us blood i've got twice as many pores in me now as i used to have and you would never believe how many places you can stick a needle in yourself until you go into the embroidery line and devote yourself to art do not wear these slippers in public dear it would only excite envy and as like as not somebody would try to shoot you merely use them to assist you in remembering that among the many many people who think all the world of you is your friend mark twain the play of the prince and the pauper dramatized by mrs richardson and arranged for the stage by david belasco was produced at the park theatre philadelphia on christmas eve it was a success but not a lavish one the play was well written and staged and elsie leslie was charming enough in her parts but in the duality lay the difficulty the strongest scenes in the story had to be omitted when one performer played both tom canty and the little prince the play came to new york to the broadway theatre and was well received on the opening night there mark twain made a speech in which he said that the presentation of the prince and the pauper realized a dream which fifteen years before had possessed him all through a long downtown tramp amid the crowds and confusion of broadway in elsie leslie he said he had found the embodiment of his dream and to her he offered homage as the only prince clothed in the divine right which was not rags and sham the divine right of an inborn supremacy in art it seems incredible to-day that realizing the play's possibilities as mark twain did and as belasco and daniel frohman must have done they did not complete their partial triumph by finding another child actress to take the part of tom canty clemens urged and pleaded with them but perhaps the undertaking seemed too difficult at all events they did not find the little beggar king then legal complications developed edward house to whom clemens had once given a permission to attempt a dramatization of the play suddenly appeared with a demand for recognition backed by a lawsuit against all those who had a proprietary interest in the production house with his adopted japanese daughter koto during a period of rheumatism and financial depression had made a prolonged visit in the clemens home and originally undertook the dramatization as a sort of return for hospitality he appears not to have completed it and to have made no arrangement for its production or to have taken any definite step until mrs richardson's play was profitably put on whereupon his suit and injunction by the time a settlement of this claim had been reached the play had run its course and it was not revived in that form it was brought out in england where it was fairly prosperous though it seems not to have been long continued 
Variously reconstructed, it has occasionally been played since, and always, when the parts of Tom Canty and the Prince were separate, with great success. Why this beautiful drama should ever be absent from the boards is one of the unexplainable things. It is a play for all times and seasons. The difficulty of obtaining suitable twin interpreters for the characters of the Prince and the Pauper being its only drawback. End of chapter 170 The Prince and the Pauper on the Stage Read by John Greenman